right, let's get started. So if you guys are joining us for the first time tonight, we're going through a series called Reaching Your Jerusalem. Um, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, Jerusalem is really a reference to your local area. Reaching meaning you're telling them about Jesus Christ. And our anchor verse um, has been Acts 1.8. Uh, it's on your study sheet there. Again, uh, key blank. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me... This is Jesus Christ talking, both in, and your blank is Jerusalem, but I've been asking you guys, put your local area there. Where does God have you that he wants you to be a witness of his son? And then it goes on, into, in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth, God wants his message of the gospel. God wants his message of salvation spread to everybody on this planet. But it starts locally. If you're not doing it here, what are the chances you're going to do it out there? God has you where you are at for a purpose. So just some context, again, if you're newer to the Bible and Acts, Jesus Christ is on his way out. He's on his way out after the resurrection. He tells the disciples, look, you're going to have power. I'm sending the Holy Spirit unto you to give you power to go out and give this gospel, to give this good news. Go out that they need to start in their area. So think about your area, people around you that don't know Jesus Christ. You have this same command. It was not just to the disciples back in Acts 1.8. That command has echoed through history and it lands to us today so just some review um, when we started off we talked about your life and how strong your life is and how much it speaks uh, one of the key verses that we talked about was out of the abundance the heart out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh your mouth speaks you live out of what dwells in your heart and it was a big heart check what's going on in your heart and pastor steven's going through the heart of evangelism on sunday morning sort of laying <clears throat> a lot of uh foundation to be successful with the practical that we're looking at on Wednesday nights. And then last week we talked about your testimony, sharing your testimony. And one thing I wanted to hit again was don't let Satan discredit your testimony. How important is honest living, living an honest life, walking with God daily so that you don't have to go back and, and try and defend all these things that you're doing. You live honestly. We're going to make mistakes. Have a humble life to be able to admit those things. Um, and how powerful your testimony is. It's one of the best God-given tools that you have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who can come to you and say, no, God didn't do that in your life? Your testimony is powerful. It's strong. Nobody can deny the change in life that happened. Nobody can deny Pastor Tom's change in his life from going from utter debauchery to a completely changed man with his brain being washed by this word, completely sold out for Jesus Christ. You can't deny those things. You know, talk, talk is cheap. People can say things all the time. <clears throat> Your testimony, what God did inside of you that led you to salvation and then thereafter, that's powerful. So sharing your testimony and how important that is. And I know, you know, a lot of your personal testimonies in here, they're powerful. They're strong. Don't ever discount what God has done in your life. Use that. Be vulnerable with people. Share those things. It's the first thing God gives you. If you know nothing of the Bible... You're like, man, I just don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how, you know, I know I'm saved. I know, know the gospel, but I don't know how to get somebody to that point. Just share your story. Just share what God did in your life. You have a tool. You do not have, a, you do not have an excuse to not share something if you're saved in here because you have a testimony. So tonight we're going to be looking at something a little more practical. So this is one of my favorite methods, if you will, of evangelism, um, and it's called the good test. So... It's basically taking the Bible and just logically working people through them, trying to get them to a place that you show them their need for a Savior. 
you show them their current state. The key point right there, you can't give someone medicine that doesn't think that they're sick. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Okay, whatever. You know when you get like a hair and pancake batter and you're trying to get it out? Or in eggs? And you're just like, screw it, I'm going to cook them anyway? Oh, that's what I have in my water right now. Anywho. All right. See, I'm sick. I need a savior. I need saved. I need medicine. Hey, by the way, if you need a Bible, let us know. We can give you one. We got a couple yes. Do I need one? Yeah. 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 Don't be shy. Huh? It was like a black speck. I don't know. Like pepper. Yeah. I don't know. I know. It's it's not pepper. I know that's not. All right. Luke chapter 5. So again, you can't give someone medicine that doesn't think they're sick. That's the whole reason Jesus Christ came. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi. Who's Levi? Come on, who's Levi? Matthew, tax collector, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up and followed him. I love that response immediately. He's like, okay, I'm in. Verse 29, And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. So publicans, I know, I think Pastor Steve, I think he touched on this a couple weeks ago, just how hated these men were. You know, they charge, say they needed to get 10% or 20% from the people. They'd go to them and say, all right, I need 30, and they'd keep 10% for themselves. They were hated individuals, liars, all right, cutting stuff off the top, taking advantage of the people that were under them. So these are hated, hated people. Verse 30, but their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? So it says right there, they don't view themselves as a problem. They don't view themselves as sinners. They're looking down at them saying, Why are you sitting with those vile, wretched sinners? In other words, implying, unlike me, why aren't you with me? Verse 31, And Jesus answered, answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So if you approach this book, if you approach God's message, if you approach the gospel with your own self-righteousness, you have no need of a physician in your mind. And this Bible is going to give you exactly what you want. You're going to read this thinking you're okay. God's not going to force his love upon you. God's not going to force this message in your life. We're sick sinners in need of a Savior, in need of a physician. And our goal with this method, and really a lot of methods in evangelizing, is showing the people that we're talking to their need for a Savior, their need for the physician, Jesus Christ. So point number one, we need to reveal the problem. So I'm going to work systematically through these letters. And again, I don't want you to be confused that when, you know, if you go out witnessing that you got to keep this on the side and you're looking down and you're like, da, 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 you're going to notice there's verses that go along with all of these. At the end of the day, Read your Bible, study what Christ did, and it will flow naturally. This should not be robotic. It's a conversation. All right? Matthew 19, we're not going to go there. 16 through 26, it's a very familiar passage. 
talking to this man and he's like, hey, what do I need to do to get eternal life? What's interesting is this, you know, this uh, Jesus challenges him on six commandments and it's all the ones that affect men. You know, have you obeyed your parents? Have you not lied? Have you, you know, not wanted something that was your brother's? Have you not murdered anybody? Blah, 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 blah. And the man's like, yeah, I've kept all this from my birth. All right, liar. But then Jesus hits him right in the heart. And he's like, well, okay, then if that will be perfect and go, I'll just read out how he says it. Jesus said unto him, if thou will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Jesus strikes right to the heart. You see, point number, letter A, you need to have a conversation, uncover their heart. Get right to the heart of the matter. When you're robotic and you treat this as a duty and you treat this as something that just as a Christian you have to do, you're not going to get down to their heart. View people that you're evangelizing to as the way that Jesus Christ does. He gets right down to their heart. Flip over to Romans chapter 1. You know, people will try and debate you with worthless details. And when I say worthless, you know, they might try and debate you about doctrines or about details about the Bible, which in and of themselves are not worthless, but outside of Jesus Christ, they mean absolutely nothing. You know, I had somebody I worked with, work with, um, and he was telling me that he's got a statue of Mary in his front yard. And he's like, you know, and he's trying to like defend his case. He knows where I stand. And he's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, she was, you know, the mother of Jesus Christ. And my neighbor thinks, you know, that that's some cult. And, you know, what do you think about that? And I'm like, oh, good gravy. I'm like, Chris, I'm not going to tell you, you know, what you should and shouldn't do. At the end of the day, it's Jesus Christ plus nothing minus nothing. I'm like, what are you trusting in for your eternity? You see, I, I could have went down that whole rabbit trail of trying to go against Mary and probably had a lot of valid points. You know what I would come off as? Like a pompous jerk the end of the day, he needs Jesus Christ. He's not saved. And challenge him and get right down to the heart. Look, that Mary thing or any other sin that you're dealing with means nothing if you don't know Jesus Christ. Get right down to the heart. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He got right down to the heart. Look, are you willing to, to die to yourself to get rid of everything and follow me? Just like Levi did when Christ came up and he said, you know, come after me, follow me. And he's like, all right, got up and followed him. It's Jesus Christ. Don't get lost in the details. But Romans 1, I love this insight that we get into the human heart. Verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. All right, so who's the him? It's kind of important. Who's the him? For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world. Who created the whole world? God, Jesus Christ. For the invisible things of him, you can see the invisible things of him. They're clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. One of the best examples I had when I, that I was given when I was uh, a student was, you know, you walk up to a building. You know, we don't walk up to a building and think, man, that thing just popped perfectly right into existence. No, you look at that and you're like, man, the design that went into that, the architecture, I mean, some building structures are just amazing. How they get these things to tie together and hold up and, and support all this load. And you're like, man, that is an awesome building. Somebody designed that up. Somebody created that. Somebody put that together. We do that with a building. But we don't do that, and I say we as in the world, with something as complex as a living tree or a human being 
or a world that's just perfectly placed in this universe. Any closer to the sun, we burn up. Any further away from the sun, we freeze to death. If I didn't know Jesus Christ, I would not be able to sleep at night with that simple fact. But the, the creation, it screams of a creator. It screams of a designer. And that designer, that creator is God so that everybody that walks this earth is without excuse. Why? Because they look around. In verse 21 is the answer. Because that when they knew God, you know what? In their heart, they know there's a God. Everybody that enters this world knows there's a God. They look around and they're like, man, somebody had to make this. But watch their response. They glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. See, deep down in everyone's heart, there came a point where they looked around and they're like, you know what, I know that there's a God, and they shut it out. No atheist is born with this thought that I just always knew there was a God. They made a decision that, you know what, I'm not going to believe that God. I want this glory for myself. Everything I discover, I want for myself. And I could go down a whole rabbit trail with that, but the point I want to get to is, God gives us an awesome glimpse into the heart of man. It's down in there. Tap into it. Tap into the heart of man. They know they've just denied it. Draw it out of them. Use probing questions just like Jesus Christ did. Look in chapter 2, verse 13. For, the, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law... These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their what? Hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Again, God has shown you the battle that's going on in a human's heart. And I'm telling you, most people, when you approach and you start having a conversation like this, they're waiting for a conversation. They've been thinking about these things. I can't tell you how many conversations, I'm not just saying this to... I mean, I am saying it to make God look good because the Bible is true. How many conversations I've had with people when I start these conversations are like, yeah, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I had one at Canal Day as I was witnessing to a student. There's two of them, and I'm asking him these questions, and I'm like, have you ever thought about these things? He's like, every day. And his other student, he just wasn't at that place, wasn't seeking it, and he's joking around, and the other one would not break eye contact. I'm like, man, that's somebody who looked around, and it was already playing on his heart. And he's like, man, who is this? I know there's something out there. I can't deny that fact. His friend shut that down. Didn't want to hear it. Wasn't the time for him. But the other one was locked in and I was tapping right into his heart. But man, we can become so fearful and miss out on those opportunities. Most people are looking for hope. Most people are looking for answers. And sometimes it goes just like, can I ask you a question? You know, first step to any conversation is just politely coming up to him. Hey, can I ask you a question? Now, I was doing some research. Numbers are kind of all over the place, but Jesus Christ asked over 300 questions in the four Gospels. Question after question. I can't tell you how many questions that he was asked, and he replied with yet another question. He's always getting them to think, always getting them to come to that point. He wasn't just giving them information. You know, and I love asking people, have you ever thought about what happens when you die? You can't deny that fact. Everybody's going to die. Ten out of ten people die. Perfect statistic. Ask people. And just throw it out there. And if that's all you do, you're planting that seed for them to think about it. Maybe two weeks down the road, they'll come back up to you. Man, I've been thinking about that question. I haven't been able to sleep. Good. Now I can give you some medicine to help you sleep. And it's Jesus Christ. Ask those questions. Don't be afraid. And that's, you know, because we, we make it seem like it's 
so much more serious than it is, but everybody thinks about these things. You're not coming right up to them right out of the gate saying, hey, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? See where they're at. Gauge them. It's exactly what Jesus Christ did. And I think the reason, or at least, you know, you, you can think, you know, chew on this, why Jesus Christ has so many questions, but I really think a big key is they have to come to this decision on their own. You can't just sit down in front of somebody and lay down exactly, and some people are ready for it. But as far as just giving them the facts and saying, all right, this is what you need to do, do it now, doesn't really work. People have to come to that decision on their own. You know what you get by approaching it like that? A lot of false converts. A lot of people that just pray a prayer just to appease somebody or they don't fully understand what they're doing. They have to come to that decision on their own. You know, we're not going to go there, but Romans 10 talks about the heart. For with the heart, men believe under, believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. They got to believe in their heart. They got to know what you're actually sharing with them. So ask questions. Allow them to come to that point. Flip over to John chapter 6. to a verse that Calvinism Calvinism really puked on. But what a beautiful verse, though, of our Father. Verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall, shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. And I focused on that word learned. Learned is an interesting word, and if you look back, um, you know, when learned was used in the Old Testament, the context is really like acquired or accepted or believed. Again, it's not just knowledge. It's, it's hearing these things and being like, yes, I need that. Yes, I want that. Making it their own. God is drawing everybody. God is, is putting a witness out there for everyone, but they have to come to the decision on their own. So ask questions, draw it out of their heart. Do what Jesus did, ask questions. I put these on here just for time's sake. We're not going to go to these, but I encourage you guys, look at all these verses. They're key points, and all I put on there were just the verses where Jesus is asking them a question, whether it's disciples or people that he's talking to, and look at the context of them. But they're just, I mean, they're deep questions, but they're so simple. That's how Jesus worked. He allowed those people to think. And come to a decision on their own. We need to let people think. Ask questions about their mortality. Ask questions about their own righteousness. And letter B, ask if they're a good person. Again, the title of the message is The Good Test. That's the route we're going tonight. Ask if they're a good, good person. Mark ten eighteen. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Romans three ten. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So when, you, when they're willing to have a conversation, they're talking to you, a method that I love to use is the good test, and it starts off by saying, hey, do you think you're a good person? Hey, do you mind if we tell, you know, or, or you'll ask them, hey, what happens when you die? And they'll say, I'm going to heaven. And you say, why is that? Well, I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. I help people out. I give to the poor. And then you turn it and you say, all right, do you want to take a little, you know, a fun test to, to test that theory? I always do that, and I hate when I say it because I say test twice. And I find myself stumbling. I've got to find a better way to say it. 
But I say, do you want to take the good test? Do you want to see? Do you want to test that theory? And most people are like, yeah, sure. And either they know they're not good or they have a perverted view of what good really is. It's, it's funny the responses you'll get. Most people I've, I've asked this question to um, will say, no, no, I'm not good. Most people that I've had the conversation with, unless you get approach someone that, you know, they're focused on, you know, I'm going to heaven on my own good deeds. But most people, you'd be surprised at a lot of the, the, uh, the depression that's out there, the misery that's out there. We wonder why suicides are going through the roof. A lot of people just feel like they don't deserve any good because they're not good themselves. They're looking for hope. All right, so you ask, you know, are you a good person? And you get a, a bunch of different responses. Yes or no, you can work with both. All right, but if they say yes and you start going down and then let her see you expose the truth of their sin. All right, and that's when it can get really fun. Romans 3.23, can someone quote that? All right, let me see a hand raise. Alana. Yeah, all have sinned. So again, we're using the Bible to do what we're doing, Okay. So we're having a conversation, uncovering their heart, asking questions. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. We're asking if they're a good person. The Bible specifically says there's none good. No, not one. And then C, exposing the truth of their sin. We are all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, I can turn there, but 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 50 talks about how we're born fleshy. We're born in this image of Adam. We're born in this sinful body. Again, we know the truth of the state of every man in here, and we're building that case. All right? So you're exposing that truth. You're trying to get them to the point that they see their need for a physician. They see their need for a Savior. James 2.10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Everybody you give this test to is going to fail straight up. Unless you get, I mean, every now and then you'll get a very stubborn individual who's like, no, I've never told a lie, and you got to work it, and you got to work it. Don't give up on that. Work it. Have a conversation. As long as they're conversing back and forth and it's not getting confrontational, draw it out of them. Expose it. Um, you know, I ha- so I have some examples. You know, have you ever told a lie? You guys ever told a lie? No. There's one. Yes, <clears throat> we've all told a lie. Have you ever hated anyone? <clears throat> hated anyone you wish they were dead? Yikes. Have you ever stolen anything? I'll ask that one and people always say, oh no. I don't know why people get so offended. People are are very accepting that they're a liar, that they've hated people. But man, you ask Steele and they're like, no, I've never stolen anything. I'm like, what about music off the internet? Which that's probably not even a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nat LimeWire, you know. Guilty. Or, you know, or you take, get creative with it. What are ways you can steal? You know, I say time at work. You paid for eight hours, you show up late to a job, are you lazy at work? There's all kinds of different ways we can steal, and you finally get to the point like, yeah, I've stolen something. All right, so what would that make you? So you got a blank there. So somebody who said, yeah, I've told a lie. <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've hated someone. The Bible calls that murder. Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah. Well, then that makes you a lying, murdering thief at heart. Again, you're drawing that. You're, making, you're drawing their sin up so that they can see it for what it is. We tend to minimize sin little lie here and there, you know, a little hatred every now and then, or we hate, you know, uh, our president, or we hate people around us. I've, I've stolen just a couple things. When you look at it on paper, though, you can't deny the facts. You're a lying thief, murdering thief at heart. 
expose their sin. And then letter D, you take that sin and you explain God's standard and its perfection. When you take that sin and you hold it up to God's perfection, how are you going to stand? Matthew 5.48, be perfect even as, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Pretty high standard with God. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is quite the list. Can somebody read verses 9 and 10? Sweet, Jaden. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor, nor revilers, nor extortioners, Listen, anybody outside of Jesus Christ falls into one of these categories. You stand up before God with His perfect standard, you are not going to make it into eternity with God. Every, and, and this is where you connect with them. You know, when you start condemning them, if you will, you're right there with them. You're a lying, murdering thief at heart, guess what? So am I. You've done those things, guess what? So have I. I'm in the same boat as you. You know what that does? It shows them that you're being very humble. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, you'll see a, you'll see a turn in their emotion because they're not used to that. Everybody proclaims their own goodness out there. Everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. And when you stand up in front of somebody, I'm telling you, when you're vulnerable like that, man, it pierces their heart. Because they're not used to that. It's not, it's not normal. You're right there with them. You'd be right in these verses if it wasn't for Jesus Christ you'd be going down the exact same path. You know, Revelation 21.8 says that all these same people, they're going to have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire. You know, there's, there's no escaping this. All have sinned. God's standard is perfection. And you make that statement to them, look, it's not just good, it's perfection. I want you guys to see, if you want to kick that on quick. I feel like a complete idiot. I should know how to do this, but I just don't. I know. Yeah, fair point. No, I'm doing uh, projectors, old projectors. <laughs> the, the transparent the, yeah, the transparent <laughs> thing. That'd be awesome. 